Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Muddy News Media. Hello and a warm welcome to The Upside Rule. It's me, Kate Borsay, and after last week's madness, uh, that's not a cue for another band, by the way, we are going to be clear of ABBA. It's an ABBA-free zone on today's Offside Rule. Beside me, my usual right-hand woman, who I'm glad to say we've had some in-depth discussions between our little podcast family. I'm so thrilled to say that she's not leaving for Canada. Oh. <laughs> This was such... I knew it would happen at the time. It was such a false story to put out there. Uh, last week, I made a joke about Harry and Meghan, and uh, I, I I aimed it towards Lindsay, and it kind of fell flat on its face. So for anyone rather confused, <laughs> Lindsay's not leaving the podcast. I'm not having Harry. a sabbatical. Harry and Meghan so are. you don't want the present that I got you then? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, you can hear, is the voice of Mina Rizuki, who joins us on today's show, our Euro queen, the woman we all wish we could be more like in life. If only for the leather pants alone. I know. Uh, Mina Rizuki. I know. Mina. Mina, I need an update. So the last time you were on the podcast with both Kate and I, you the best story that I think I've enjoyed for a while was this... Um, nothing to do with football. No, nothing to do with football. <laughs> it was the gentleman that you'd been doing some yoga with. Oh, the instructor and then you said yeah. that you couldn't go back there because you, you felt like you were just getting too many urges. What <laughs> What happened? I yeah. am back to the Pilates. He took a month off and now he oh, is... Both of you took a month I off. I know. How's Maybe he felt some urges. Uh. <laughs> and uh, although now he's taken another month off because he's Australian. So he's gone to do um, to try to raise funds for the bushfires. Oh, fires. for the bushfires. Well done yeah. him. Well done him. I know. See, he's such a nice guy. My urges Very were nice totally well founded. Indeed. So you're back on the Pilates. It's a brand new year. What have you been up to recently? Not much if I'm honest I mean I've been trying to figure out you know like I'm gonna start the season where I'm gonna wake up every day and do my yoga and then I'll do this and none of that's happened (laughs) so I thought this was a trial month we can start everything in February (laughs) there's a possible real very real possibility that I'm dying alone at the stage because I've realized that I I really do like my alone time Um, (laughs) but maybe that means that you like your own company yeah but a bit too much like this is the problem now and there comes a point where you just really I've forgotten how to socialise as well as I used to. Also, football's not great. If you work in football, it's not great for socialising, is it? Unless you're amongst football folk, because a lot of the stuff happens, you know, whether you're covering games in the evening or at weekends, it eats into your life a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess that's also true. Also, my working hours are crazy because I work for a lot of like American or Canadian sort of TV and radio shows. So by the time I finish, a lot of the time, it's about like 2.30am. Right. So you get into bed, you wake up about 11. That's oh. where you're going wrong. You shouldn't go straight to bed. You should go out then. 2.30am. <laughs> yeah. Amongst all the drunk On people. a Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> Abby once did it. She went to Duck and Waffle, didn't she, during she the did. Women's, World, Women's Cup. World Cup show where Abby would finish at kind of similar times, 3am. Uh, on the last show to celebrate, she took herself off to a pretty exclusive restaurant as a treat on her own and had breakfast at 3 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. Well done, Producer Abby. Highly mm-hmm. recommended. Uh, all right, we're going to get stuck into the show. A reminder that at four o'clock on Fridays, Jack Radio is the place to hear us, uh, if that's more your thing. Uh, but on to today's show, we've got some of the best footballing nicknames out there. This is after Barcelona's extraordinary change in manager earlier this week. Uh, and we're also going to be getting an update from Mina on those Premier League stars who left English football for an Italian job. But first... Take it like a man. Baby, if that's what you are, cause I'm moving on, though. You're 
Okay, transfer updates. This is based on Harry and Meghan, by the way, who, of course, want to leave the UK, as do some footballers. Well, they haven't quite yet. Prince Harry's been in action this week, so we kind of await the latest on that developing story. <laughs> but away from the royal family and into football, there, there, there are footballers who would like out, of course, some who have no choice but to leave, and some who have decided, like you, Lindsay Hooper, to stay in <laughs> <laughs> I jest. Again, she's not going anywhere. Um, so we want those who are leaving, those who are arriving. Lindsay, get us kicked off with this one. Well, I spent quite a bit of time at Chelsea this week doing a transfer update. It looks pretty nailed on that Olivier Giroud is going to Inter Milan. In fact, as people are listening to this, that deal might have already Mm. been announced. Uh, It was very, very close to being done um, when I was there yesterday. And Inter Milan seemed to be the club attracting a lot of Premier League stars. An awful lot. Yeah. um, Ericsson, Christian Ericsson, that's also meant to be quite close. uh, So this is on the back of the Inter Milan chief, Piero Ozilio, flying to London apparently this week after Giroud and also Ericsson two and there are a few players on his list Manchester United's Ashley Young do we know what's going on with this Ashley Young was very interested I believe in that deal so there was a one-year extension with Manchester United on the table I have to say I scratch my head at this as well because I I just don't understand the Ashley Young thing it's been (laughs) not anymore it's been a bit of a mini joke in Italy has it because now, now uh, they've signed a left-back, haven't they, into Milan? So it looks like they wouldn't be going down the route of having Ashley Young going there. But there, there had been some interest. Apparently it's gone away, although Ashley Young's still pushing to try and reignite that deal. So how's that news gone down in Italy then, Mina? Well, this was, I mean, obviously you have to understand that this is an era in which Zlatan Ibrahimovic can go to the MLS, have a chilled few years and then come back into Serie A. And so a lot has been spoken about how a 30-year-old, 8-year-old can still make this impact in Italy. Of course, it's, it is Latin. It's not just any other 38-year-old. But what's been funny about this is Conte is constantly complaining when he doesn't win matches, such as, you know, against Barcelona in the Champions League. And he's like, my squad, I don't have the depth that I require. I can't win with this kind of squad. I need better players. I need more players. I need all of this. And yet everyone he's targeted has been of a certain age. Mm-hmm. Um, Arturo Vidal from Barcelona, Giroud, um, obviously Ashley Young. So it, it just kind of seems like it's an old people's home that he's trying to go for. <laughs> and he's Which always been a little bit... That's surely short-term fix rather than long-term fix. Well, this is the thing. It's like you have some really good talent. You know, you have Sebastiano Esposito uh, up for, uh, forward for him in, in Inter. It's like you're better off playing this kid who's very good. You know, he scored his goal. He is beloved by Lukaku and Lautaro Martinez. So why don't you just stick with the kids, Bastoni at the back, you know, rather than Godin, who just hasn't given you what you needed because he's old. Mm. And maybe just, you know, start going for that as opposed to keep looking elsewhere. But he's always been fascinated by players coming from the Premier League. When he was at Juve, he wanted Theo Walcott. When he, he's always just had this thing. He doesn't care their age. It's just they're from the Premier League. So with Olivier Giroud going there, Larita Martinez and Lukaku have got such a lovely... Understanding. relationship, yep. understanding on the pitch. How do you think that's going to go down? So is Giroud going from being maybe third choice, not getting hardly any game time at Chelsea to being third choice, hardly any game time at Inter? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So Giroud is going to come in every now and then, I guess, and play the smaller teams just to give Lukaku a rest. That's the whole point. But again, he is just going to be third that choice. I'm interested in this remark that Mina made about everyone laughing in Italy about Ashley Young. So so what what's that founded on? Well, it's just no, it was more to do with Conte and his like weird obsession about it with and it's Premier like League players. Yeah, and and the whole thing is is that Quadra Samoa, um who is the fullback that Inter have 
is getting a little bit tired and, you know, sometimes can't always do it in the game is because you see he's reached the age of 31, the tender age of 31. <laughs> so the best thing to do is replace him by someone older than him by 34. a few years. Yes, this exactly. is what is so bizarre about the whole thing, you know? So it's just like, oh, really? So SMO is too old, but then let's replace him with someone who's older? Like, what is what, what sense is that? You know? Well, it has been a good month if your name is Fernandez. Apparently, Gedson Fernandez uh, arriving at Spurs from Benfica, just turned 21. He's um, on an 18-month loan with an option to make the move permanent. So this is a really good win-win situation for Spurs, right? Uh, fees believed to be around 43 million if that loan move after 18 months or at some point uh, throughout it is made permanent. Young Portugal international speaks good English already, so it's thought that he's going to settle in well at Spurs. His parents already live in London, having moved over for work already. Good engine, so good athleticism, likes to dribble with the ball, not afraid to get involved in, in, in the gritty tackling side of the game, which is good for the Premier League as well. So good news for Spurs and an interesting one to watch there. And then rumours of Bruno Fernandes over to Manchester United, as we record, reportedly agreed financial terms with Man U uh, coming over from Sporting Lisbon uh, midfielder. I think they tried to sign him last summer, didn't quite work out. So um, two coming in, Gedson Fernandes to Spurs and Bruno Fernandes for Man U. Having Mina here means that we're going to just wax lyrical about Italy. So let's do it the other way. Pepe Reina, the loan deal to Aston Villa from AC Milan. And you think, oh, well, they've shipped off an older goalkeeper. But then in return, they've gone with Begovic, haven't they? <laughs> Which is, yeah. <laughs> an well, older he's, keeper. Well, he's 32. He went on loan, didn't he, to Azerbaijan, Quarabag this season. It is a bit odd because it is another one of those, why are you moving? Are you moving to be third choice keeper again, having been third choice at Bournemouth? But interesting to see what opportunities. Or is it just that he fancies a move abroad and wants to try something a little, little bit different, even if that's not regular football? I mean, it is Milan, right? I mean, yeah. there's still like a sort of stature involved, even if they are going through hard times. Yeah. 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 Still um, a great club. Wolves sent Patrick Catrone to Fiorentina. Mm. Um, so, so we did give him a bit of a spell, but didn't work out. Nuno was quite adamant that, you know, he wasn't going to be the right fit. Uh, liked his work rate, but he wasn't really producing the goods in front of goal. What are the thoughts in Italy on him as a player? It's strange because I think that in Italy, like a, a lot has been said about Patrick Cotrone and obviously Moisek Keane in the sense that they were very much looked upon as the future of the Italian national team. Ever since then, they've obviously, I mean, Mancini has obviously produced all these wonderful midfielders that he uses in false number nines, and, and maybe now there isn't such a need for these ones. And it's a shame that they haven't worked out, to be honest, because Keane's not really making that sort of wonderful step up that we had hoped he would in Everton, and he was a class act. He was higher, highly rated, let's say, at uh, Juventus. With Catrone, it was always seen that he was a guy who tries a lot harder than necessarily he's like wonderfully talented. Mm. So he was always known as that kid, the one that gives you everything that he's got, that will try to attack until the 90th minute, that will look for ways to take the advantage. But I do think there's a huge difference in between being a forward or an attacking player in England and Italy. Because with Italy, it's a chess game and everything's about overcoming your opponent on a mental level and trying to figure out where his weaknesses are and overcoming that. Whereas in England, it's more about your technique, your skill and doing it that way because it's a much faster paced game. So you don't necessarily have two organized banks of four and you have to figure out a way of, of overcoming it. It's more about just getting there really quickly and doing enough, you know, whether it be triangles or short passes or, or stretching. But it's about getting in there and using your talent and technique to make the difference. So it's it's funny how players who do really well 
don't necessarily do really well in, in the other league. Well, Although, we'll pick up on uh, how some former Premier League stars are getting on in Italy in just a moment. Just to round this off there, we've touched on it already, but just to expand on the Christian Eriksen possibly to Inter move. We know, of course, that his contract situation at Spurs has dominated a lot of headlines. It's been going on for a while. It feels like it's been going on for too long, to be honest. What would the prospect of Christian Eriksen at Inter be like, Mina? And is this a, is this a genuine prospect? Well, yeah, it looks like it's uh, they, they offered 10 million because they were like, you know, the guy's going to leave soon. Um, Realised that there's actually interest from PSG and other European teams. So now got a bit worried and offering more than 15 million to try to secure the deal. For me, I'm yet to really understand it. I do want to, like, on the one hand, Sensi and Barella, who are the two main and beautiful midfielders of Inter alongside Brozovic, did get injured. Um, and they only had Brozovic with some sort of under par or rather mediocre midfielders around him. And Conte was getting really angry and just wanted to have sort of another creative presence, another, again, Premier League star for him. Like, that's all that you want, you know? And so he just wants to, to have him on board. But now Sensi and Barella are back from injury. And my question is, are you really going to actually substitute one of these guys? Like, how are you going to use all of them? Because Ericsson's not going to be happy to sit on the bench no. for two kids. Essentially, that's what they are. They're yeah. two kids. You and, know? And, and I think it has to be a defining move for Ericsson. And that will be a lot to do with his well-being and his mental well-being in terms of being a linchpin, being being that important. And, and, and also, you know, a side that is going to bring out all of his assets as well. We know he's a fantastic player and it's about, it's about nurturing that to a certain extent, isn't it? Well, let's move on from transfer to the transferred. Next up, we're talking stars of Syria. This is The Offside Rule with Kate Borsay, Lindsay Hooper and Mina Rizuki. This is the self-preservation society. This is the self-preservation society. Go wash your German vegetable rice too. Come your bonnet fair, we got a lot to do. So transferred, or as the Italian might say, transferimento, molto bene. I'm not <laughs> sure my Italian's going up to scratch. Probably pretty embarrassing to say that with Mina in the room. So it is really. You shouldn't have done it. I'm no, getting my own back for all of this. All of the times that Kate's tried to just do this with me with French lessons over the years, I, I just think it was really embarrassing, Kate. Me chiamo Kate. Go for it. Go for it. Me chiamo Kate. Sto chiamando da da offside rule a Londra. Oh look, Jack yeah. Lennart. You haven't oh, got a clue what no. I'm saying, do you? Don't oh, don't gosh. don't take me on, Hoops, oh, unless gosh. you can respond in suitable <laughs> Italian <laughs> phraseology. I'm stunned that I've just been shown up again. Oh. I tried, I tried then. Uh, well, we are going to be talking about English players trying to speak Italian um, as well in this little section, but let's do a brief little look at former Premier League stars in Italy because of course this has been one of the talking points of the last uh, couple of years or so the fact that so many have gone over there let's look at Lukaku we've, we've, we've spoken a little bit about him as well but let's let's check in uh, with Inter and Lukaku and Alexis Sanchez I'm going to wade in on Lukaku because I think he's of the moment he's probably the current discussion to have isn't he at Inter 18 goals in 25 appearances as many as what Cristiano Ronaldo has got in Syria at the moment and Ronaldo's managed it less appearances <laughs> well yes but you know we can spin it that way can't we he's also helped Inter with a recent brace reach the Coppa Italia quarterfinals he's just in form and certainly a different player to the one that left Manchester United absolutely I think that was the whole point I think when you look at the player that he was at United and see the player that he is at Inter you really see how much 
how much he's grown, I guess. Although he was always, I guess, a phenomenon in Everton. But his all-round game has improved rather than just being a goal scorer. He has this wonderful understanding with Lautaro Martinez because Martinez really is also an extremely special talent. The thing is, it's Antonio Conte. And these two have been wanting to work together since the dawn of time. Conte wanted him at Juventus. He wanted him at Chelsea. And uh, he's finally got him now. And it's interesting because after games in which Lukaku does well, it's the first thing Conte wants to talk about in his press conference. I told you this was a rough diamond that I wanted to polish. He's always obviously giving a lecture, you know. But it was always, he called him recently the rough diamond that he wanted to be the guy that polished him. And effectively, that is what he's doing. And so what is it in particular that's, that's majorly improved? I think what it is, firstly, is that Lukaku's the man. I mean, when it was at United, it was almost like, oh, come on, do something. And that builds a lot of pressure. Whereas where he's at, you've just got Antonio Conte constantly telling him, you're the guy, you're amazing, you're the one that I wanted. He feels so much confidence. He's got his brother in Italy. Inter are just madly in love with him from the fan base to everyone. Um, He's got a young kid alongside him who has so much energy and willing to sort of zip into the right places, willing to deliver. And it's a high-energy style in which the, the, the aim of it is to get the ball to the forwards as quickly as possible. And he's able to get through it and, and overcome it and be the leader. And he's yelling at his defence to, to raise their game because they are going too deep. So it's like, raise your centre of gravity. He feels all this confidence to be the leader because there are a few kids in there. Others just look upon him as a 75 million euro signing. So you're always going to walk into that well, dressing got, room. He has got to work, hasn't he? That's it. The, the, the price tag on him means, me, means that, he, that he has to be made a success of. And if he's feeling the love from fans and from the manager, then it's always going to be a win-win. Um, let's uh, take a little dive into a few more players. We'll keep this fairly brief, ladies, as we've got stuff to move on to. Alexis Sanchez at Inter as well. Mina, how's it getting on? Well, he uh, got injured very quickly, sadly. He came on against Sampdoria, managed to get a goal and assist with his bum and uh, then sent off, which was one of those... Which was one of those great headlines where it was like <laughs> Sanchez comes on and then everything turns crazy and then he's sent off and then he got injured and we didn't see him since until now. So there is high hopes because of, like I said before, he has this massive understanding with Sensi and Martinez. If he does play though, then I'm not sure that Lukaku plays. So it, it will be it's interesting kind of to see the how other. they can yeah, use all of them basically. Can we chat Emre Chan, um, Liverpool, oh. former Liverpool player, mm. now at Juventus. Yeah. Spent a lot of time on the bench there and now being linked with potentially a move back to the Premier League, Manchester United, one of the clubs being muted, um, and just sort of how he's maybe not settled in there as well. No, no. I mean, I mean, I'm a UVA fan, so happy to let go of him. Um, it's a shame actually because you can see he's talented. He's the problem with a lot of the time is he tries to solve things with physicality, and um, he just uh, he, he comes across as reckless a lot of the time, and he's so frustrated that he hasn't been. Uh, utilised efficiently under Mauricio Sarri. He doesn't feel he has a place and I understand him because he's been left out of the Champions League squad. And I think the case is is that Sadio wants this fast, swift, interchanging passes, players who can keep possession and he's more of, he's not that guy basically or at least Sadio has decided that. And he just, he comes on and he tries too hard sometimes or doesn't try hard enough. There isn't a middle ground. He doesn't play with any calm. And in Italy, unless you play with calm and, you know, like a Jorginho type or 
even if you are a destroyer in many ways, you still have to have a, a sense of calm about you. And he just comes across as irritated all the time. However, they are saying from Juventus, the word out of the club is that they actually would quite like to hold on to him as a squad player. Yes, they do, because he is very talented. And the sporting director, Fabio Paratici, is like, I really wanted Emery Chan. I desperately wanted him to be part of the squad. And we know that Massimiliano Allegri really liked him. But of course, there's been a change of philosophy. And the way that they play their football, he's much more equipped for a pragmatic coach who is mm. more into transitional play than a man like uh, Mario Tussari who obviously made stars out of Jorginho and, and other players. He's not the right fit for that midfield because he only he, he wants one that just has all of this power over the ball that not you haven't seen out of Emery Chan yet or perhaps he hasn't been given the consistency to show that. So it'll be interesting to see but I do think he's out. Aaron Ramsey made the move to Juventus as well on the expiry of his Arsenal contract in the summer, has made an effort to learn the language. We know he's trying to get onto the side of fans. Is it, is it as good shall as yours? We, well, shall we hear Aaron Ramsey's attempts at Italian? Buongiorno, grazie a tutti di essere venuti qui oggi. Vorrei dire quanto sono contento di essere venuto alla Juventus. Una delle squadre più grandi al mondo. Scusate, mio italiano uh, non è molto buono, ma sto studiando, studiando. If in doubt, just add an A or an O on the end. Estudiando, estudiando. Oh, I was watching you smile throughout that at different parts. <laughs> no, it's just, um, it's because he apologises for Italian. Oh. So I thought it was quite sweet that he does that. Oh. Um, so he just basically says, hello, and I'm I'm happy to be here and I'm I'm contented to be here. Hello. Yes, I'm, I'm really glad to be at this big club like Juventus. And excuse me, because my Italian is not very good yet. I'm still so studying. saying all the right things. Has Aaron Rams's voice dropped since he went to Italy? Because I can't remember him Speaking, it's just his, his Italian voice. voice. <laughs> Wait, you're saying that was higher pitched? I think he used to be higher pitched. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, listen, injury has kind of scuppered a lot of his chances of having a smooth run in at Juventus and uh, really, really proving himself. But he's back again now, looking to get the best out of him, really. So I, I think it's a bit of a TBC in terms of how Iron Ramsey really gets going at Juventus after a bit of a stuttery, injury-prone start. Where- it's got a few critics, though. It's weird. Over in Italy. Yeah, I, I honestly wouldn't have expected it, but there's a few people who are like, is he really cut out for this? You know, is well, he just going to be injured all the time? To yeah. the same point as well. So, yeah. um, you know, I don't necessarily blame them. Shall we talk about uh, Chris Smalling and Mkhitaryan at Roma just quickly? A couple of uh, lines on this, Mina, from you. Well, Smalling has been nothing short of fantastic. He's very much a mainstay, pretty much the first uh, name that's written down by uh, Fonseca in terms of defence. Really amazing. He's loving it over there, if I'm honest. And he's been sort of, you know, the vegan footballer and everyone loves talking about him. And I have to say, seeing him there, part of an organised defence, especially one that's attacking as Roma as a team, it's wonderful to watch. Mkhitaryan hasn't been so lucky. He's been injured, sadly, so he's barely made any really any any starts, to be honest. He is really there to help get the best out of Dzeko, but we haven't seen that too often. Now they've lost Zaniolo um, to an ACL injury. This is just yet another ACL injury that they've had with Zappacosta also having an ACL injury. And so Mkhitaryan really needs to be there, really needs to play with consistency to help Roma going forward because they've really suffered a lot with absences this season. So picking up on Chris Smalling, Lindsay, England squad potential, he wasn't included in the 2018 World Cup squad, 
but because of his form for Roma, surely he's got to be looked at again. Oh yeah, and if you, if Gareth Southgate's to be believed, he goes on form, and and this is a player, as Mina said, that is one of the first, if not the first, name on the team sheet. So from that point of view, if he's got the the faith of his manager in Italy at club level, is getting all of these minutes, putting in good performances, then you'd think that he should be towards the top of the list when Gareth Southgate's choosing for the Euros. But there's something that deep down inside that makes me think he might be overlooked, and I don't know why. Well, I'd, well, I'd hope not. We need to move on from the transferred to some translating. Well, sort of. You're listening to The Offside Rule from Muddy News Media. OK, so we're looking at nicknames. This is all on the back of new Barcelona boss Kike Setien uh, announced this week. Bit of a shock decision there. I think a lot of people were thinking, who? We need to look at this guy a bit more carefully. As the Spanish newspaper, announced him as El Apafuegos, or the fire extinguisher, mm-hmm. believe it or not. Um, so that's an interesting one. We're taking a look at his nickname and others. First of all, though, who is this guy? Turtleneck, sort of mod-style, shaggy haircut. We know that uh, Barcelona tried to get Thierry Henry, who'd signed uh, just for Montreal Impact. They tried to get Xavi from Qatari's side, Al Sad. Of course, we heard about them in the Club World Cup. Tried to approach Ronald Koeman and Maurizio Potticino, who both turned down the chance to manage until the end of the season. Setien is 61, likes possession-based football, unexperienced at this level, though. Can he win some of the senior players over? What do we think of this... I think, slightly bizarre appointment. It is a bizarre appointment, but I think it was last ditch because, honestly, they should not have renewed Valverde. They shouldn't have allowed him to stay after those embarrassments that he suffered against Roma and, of course, Liverpool in the Champions League. He should have been out. Didn't even manage to win the Copa um, at the end of last season. Obviously, again, a disaster now in the Super Copa by him. You know, these all these last-minute collapses. But he is somebody, Kike Setien, is somebody who's very known for his, you know, passing game very Barcelona style of guy but he is so you almost feel like he just goes I can't believe I'm going to be training Messi I can't believe I'm working here and it's almost like he can't believe that he's been offered this opportunity but you feel like the way that he plays his football is perfect whether or not the players help him out I I think so you know I think they're all a little bit in love with the way that he's what he's shown in Las Palmas and more he might be inexperienced, but so was Eddie Saki, and then he went on to become a great and legendary Yeah, coach. and we've seen it here in England. You know, Pochettino's gone on to do very well, and th- those managers that come through, that often we're, we're begging bigger teams to give them a chance, a little bit like with Chris Wilder at Sheffield United. I mean, a lot I of people Wilder, are saying... Wilder, for me, I take for Juve at this point. I think he's spectacular. I honestly think that his preparation work, what he's done to get this team so ready for the Premier League... I am madly in love with this coach. And I, you know, people talk about Eddie Howe. I was, I'll be honest, I've never been a huge fan of Eddie Howe. I look at Chris Wilder and I just think there's, I don't know what's missing from you. I think you're perfect. So some high praise there from Mina for Chris Wilder. So he has prompted our nickname topic because he's known as the fire extinguisher. I don't know why he's known as the fire extinguisher, by the way. It's a bit like Fergie in the hairdryer, you can understand. I know the fire extinguisher. It's Setien and the fire extinguisher? Because he, he obviously puts, he puts out, out any, fires. any dilemma. Yeah. So he doesn't take any arguing or bust up 
amongst the team. Is this confirmed no, or just... I, w- I wouldn't say that. I would infer, and I might be wrong, the fire extinguisher to be a manager that comes in that when a club is in trouble, manages to get them out of it, wouldn't you? That they're, you know, they're in a really tricky patch. Here comes the fire extinguisher. Put that out. Let's see. I want some more managerial or player nicknames, though, please. Well, I want to return to Chris Smalling for a second because I'm wondering how aware the Italian press are that when he was at Manchester United, Louis van Gaal had a nickname for him, Mike. What? Was it? Yeah. Oh, well, of course. <laughs> I forgot about that. That was hilarious. <laughs> so um, I don't know whether that will return over in Italy. I mean, they why don't Mike? struggle with Chris, do they? I don't really understand where Mike came from for, for Louis with him. Do you? No, I, I, I'm somebody who makes really dumb mistakes like that when I'm calling it. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got the impression it was, uh, yeah, it was a misunderstanding. And <laughs> Even then... though it wasn't his, his uh, real name. Uh, Mina, who have you got? I can tell you about my nickname. I'm called Bob because of Freddie Umberg. Oh, and yeah. that's a very strange situation. But when I was in school, we used to always go to this brunch place every Saturday morning. Actually, throughout the week, we used to go there a lot when I was at school. And I'm talking about A-levels and to, and then going into uni. And Freddie and Berg would go there all the time. Every time he had a moment spare, he'd always be in the same <laughs> coffee shop with us. And after a while... Where he is just, this, by the way? It's in Draycott Avenue, just off the King's Road. Okay. And... Uh, after a while, he just started nodding hello to me and my friends. It was always two boys, two girls. It was always us, you know, always the four of us. And uh, the boys turned around and I was like, How, why is he nodding into you guys? And then I said, oh, well, you know, we're friends now, which we weren't. But I was just, you know, doing all of this. Yeah. And he goes, no, he doesn't know you from Bob and Steve. And that was the joke that he thought that, like, Freddie would probably refer to us as Bob and Steve. <laughs> now, many years later... I'm still Bob, okay? And one of those uh, uh, one of those good friends of mine is now living in, in New York and he works for the NBA. And he, in, when I went to visit him over the summer, he was like, oh, come and meet my boss and all these big NBA players and all these things. And it came time to introduce me. And he went, this is, and he was going to say Bob. And because he had spent so, he'd completely forgotten my name. (laughs) And it's Bob or Bobby Brown or Babalu or Bob the Builder. (laughs) And I feel like at this point, nobody really knows. And all of this started because Freddie Lundberg nodded at me at one point (laughs) in a coffee shop. I love how Freddie Lundberg has kind of an unofficial role in your <laughs> nicknaming. We know you as Hoops. Yeah, hoops. I mean, that's it. Have you ever been called anything else? No, I mean, just Hoops. And any variation of Super, Hooper, Trooper, Duper, yeah, Pooper, Scooper, all of those. Super <laughs> Scooper. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bob. All of them. Uh, there was Golden Goose, wasn't there? Goose Hitting was called Golden Goose. Um, Big Phil Scolari, which is probably the most unimaginative name. If you're in England, if you if you if you're a foreign manager and like you big come over Sam to as well, oh, or Italy, you are indeed the word any big. manager. Just add the word big in front of your name. Well, that's interesting because um, one of the guys that I was going to bring up, Papa Diop, because um, he used to play for Fulham, and I thought that he. I always knew that his nickname was the Wardrobe, but I thought it was because he was really wide. That he must have been yes. broader than size I thought. Yes, yeah, size yeah. of a wardrobe. But that isn't why he's called the wardrobe. Why it's because he's got eye-catching dress sense. Really? Is it? Yeah, it's because of I his need dress to see sense. Some evidence of this. But I'd, I'd gone a long time thinking that it must be because he's quite a wide, uh, broad-shouldered man. But when I saw him, I was like, well, I don't get this. The you wardrobe remind- is it ironic? Or- you reminded me because Javier Zanetti for Argentina and for Inter Milan was called the tractor. <laughs> And you thought he had a tractor? No, I no, I didn't. <laughs> no, I really didn't. Oh, Lindsay. Um, no, because of his ability to, I guess, you know, do the the hard work and the grinding work of a tractor on the field. I see. Um, I do like Allegri. He's called anchovy. 
Um, oh, why? <laughs> because of his little fishy. thin frame. Oh. Not because he's fishy. <laughs> I do love why you guys character. are guessing what it is. But there's this wonderful skit in Italy about, you know, because they, they laugh a lot about Antonio Conte in Italy and they always pre- like perform sort of like these uh, skit shows with uh, this man with a cow on his head and they prefer that's, they pretend that's Conte with a wig. Um, because and of the hair plugs. Because of the hair plugs. And, it's, <laughs> and apparently in Italy, they always like to make fun of the fact that he must hate Allegri because Allegri did so well at Juve with his team. And uh, they always, you always see this man on the sideline with a cow on his head going, you little anchovy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny. It's a bit like Graham Taylor being nicknamed the turnip, something begun by the sun, where, where his whole face was just replaced with a big turnip. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the son have done that to a few he people, just, uh, haven't they? He just That's became really turnip, mean. didn't he? I'd be really upset if that was me. Claudio Ran- Ranieri, known as the Tinker Man, when in actual fact he didn't really tinker with his teams that much at all. It was proven after that. Harry Harry Maguire's slabhead, where did that come from? <laughs> well, obviously yeah, it's a visual gag. Well, apparently, at a few years ago at Leicester, Jamie Vardy posed as a journalist during a press conference which Harry Maguire was giving. And he asked how big the diameter of Harry Maguire's head was. Uh, and that all began the whole slabhead thing, and it was Vardy's nickname for him, basically. Mm. Um, much adopted by many an England fan. If I was to say to you, mm. one size fits all. <laughs> which I think is the most genius nickname. Well, that was invented by Hawksby and Jacobs on TalkSport, wasn't that it? That was brilliant. Pretty much. Um, so he played for Palace, QPR, Watford, Wigan. Who? Fits all. Uh... But one size fits all. <laughs> Excellent play on words there. Um, I can't believe I just round. had to explain that word. Quick fire round. Who was nicknamed Dave? Oh, uh, Cesar Aspilicueta. Aspilicueta. Yeah. The Incredible Sulk. Hulk. No. No. The Incredible Sulk. Anelka. Oh. Really? The Architect. PLO. Oh, Baby-faced okay. assassin. You'll know oh, this one. Oh, yeah. It's Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah. The little painter, Del Piero. Oh. Uh, the, the little, little prince, prince, Claudio Marchisio. We like a little a lot. You guys like We go big. You go little. I think abroad, the nicknames are, are generally a little more refined, aren't they? Like the architect, like the painter, like the... Anyway, uh, as an the aside... The divine ponytail. Oh, I d- oh, yeah, I do. Was that... Um, oh... Who was it? Roberto Baggio. Oh, Baggio, yeah. That, I do remember that. I do remember that. As an aside, listen to this and tell me what you think is going on in this football-related video. So have a little think. This is football-related. What's going on? What does this say to you? Anything you like. James Bond has infiltrated a team. James Bond. Starsky and Hutch, that sort of feel. A player heading into his stride as he's dribbling and slaloming through the field. (laughs) This is Kike Setien's introduction, one of his introduction videos at Barcelona. This is him welcoming, being welcomed into the team and taking his first training session. What a bizarre choice of track. It's not a 70s cop show. It's welcome to the new Barcelona manager. And also, if known as the fire extinguisher, why didn't they have, like, Fireman Sam or something? (laughs) Good point, Lindsay Hooper.
All right, let's move on to any other business. Footballing stories, little ones, big ones that have caught your eye over the last week or so. Sheffield Wednesday, now they've launched a 10-year season ticket. How does this work? It basically guarantees fans a seat for 10 years after their next promotion to the Premier League. Top price for one of these tickets, 6,400 quid. So let's go into the detail briefly on this. Basically, the longer it takes Wednesday to return to the top flight, the longer this multi-year ticket is going to be valid. So, team currently sixth in the championship. If they are promoted in 2025, for example, so not this time around, but in 2025, the ticket's going to remain valid until 2035. So it's a 10-year season ticket that starts the minutes or remains valid for, for 10 years from the minute the club are promoted to the Premier League. It's either a stroke of genius or utter madness. I can't quite work mm. out which one it is. So wait, hold on. What if they get relegated? I have no idea. It becomes a complete waste of money, basically. Right. Well, actually, if they got relegated from the Championship and then they got promoted to the Premier League eventually after hopping back up again, then the season ticket would, would still kick in for or 10 years. is it not just to try and get people to stick with the club through thick and thin. Yes, I mean you would want Isn't to... that a guarantee though? Well, that, yeah, that was, that's what most fans would do, but clearly this is to entice someone to watch them at the dizzying well, height. It's, it's, it's basically pledging someone to, put, to pay a lot of money up front. Top price, six and a half grand, goes down to four grand for kind of basic level. It's basically enticing someone to pay a lot of money to stick with the club and that's their reward. But it could be remarkably good value if they do make it back up to the Premier League at some point. As we do the WSL edition on Mondays, which if people haven't listened to this week's yet, then go back and listen. I'm going to bring in some women's football um, to the main show. Uh, the FA's announced that the City Ground, home of Nottingham Forest, is going to host the FA Women's Continental Tyres League Cup final on Saturday the 29th of February. It's going to be live on BT Sport 1 as well and will kick off at 5.30. So we'd like to urge people to go and support the women's game there. And speaking of a couple of players, um, Arsenal players, Kim Little and Jordan Nobbs, they both both reached 400 appearances for Arsenal women recently. Now, Tim Stillman, who's been on the WSL show with us, wrote in his Ars blog for Arsenal, called Ars blog, that one thing is for certain, little nubs have given Arsenal fans pleasure 400 times and counting. I think, <gasps> I think, I think that is our producer Abby's obsession with little nubs, yes. which she finds continually amusing every single week and you get to enjoy on our WSL edition. A quick one for mums and dads here. A ban on children heading the ball in Scotland could be in place very soon over fears about the links between football and dementia. So the Scottish FA are basically proposing that under-12s are banned from heading the ball in training. That set to kick in yeah. from later this month. It, it, the, the ban's already in place in the, in the US. And I just thought this is, this is really interesting. So potentially, if you've got a child 12 and under, they are no longer allowed to head the ball. Well, I heard an interesting debate on this because you have to bring other sports into play as well. And still, younger children are allowed to box. And, and, and I know it's only sparring and, and boxing would probably be um, one of those sports where you need to do that. But again, it's, you know, a blow to the head, potentially, yeah. as, as a child. And there are, yeah, there are other sports where you can 
where you're probably going to have to monitor that too. Right? If well, it comes in the for issue one. of contact in, in uh, rugby as well, and that's been a long debate about mm. children playing rugby. In American football. Um, Diving yeah. as well into swimming pools, thing, things yeah. like that. But in terms of the links between football and dementia, and it's been found by a, a big study yes. um, that, that former footballers who've headed the ball on a regular basis are much more likely to die from dementia. I'm not saying this, it's a bad thing. I'm yeah. saying that it should be across the board with other sports well, as well. Yeah. Has it the ball changed, look- though, from when there's it has, a study? But then I think if you look at you know men versus children, of course, children's heads are a lot more vulnerable when, yes, it, when it comes to heading. So perhaps it makes sense. All right, we're going to wrap things up there. That's all we have for this week. Um, are you doing anything exciting at the weekend, ladies? Where are you heading? I'm at St Andrews on Saturday. It's really interesting as well now because in the FA Cup, Birmingham and Coventry, and Coventry are using St Andrews as their home stadium. They've drawn each other. So they're having to divide the stadium between the fans. I wonder if this is the first time ever that both both clubs are playing at home, basically, aren't they? Yeah, that very, particular very time. odd to try and administer that one. Mina, what exciting yoga mat-based activities are you going to be doing? <laughs> well, this time last year I would have been in Italy for the weekend, as I always were, but now I'm enjoying my retirement lap and uh, <laughs> I'm going to go play mini-golf on Saturday because <laughs> um, that's where my really good friend decided to celebrate her birthday and I've started to feel like I might be very ill. We love a spot of mini-golf here on the Offside Rule. We really do. Uh, you can find us folks on Twitter and on Insta at Offside Rule Pod. Don't forget the website too, OffsideRulePodcast.com. Mina and Lindsay, thank you. Listeners, thank you for enjoying us once again. We will check in with you next week. Bye. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at MuddyKneesMedia.com. Join Ruby Walsh, Paddy Power, Tom Nugent and a whole host of great guests each week on Paddy Power's new racing podcast, From the Horse's Mouth. Tune in for analysis, interviews and a bit of crack from the greatest trio since salt, vinegar and chips, but marginally less unhealthy. The first episode is out now. Muddy News Media. Podcast Network.